Hello, I'm Emma Rice, and this is Wise Children's Detention. Firstly, I have two apologies. Sorry for my croaky voice, January has finally caught up with me, and sorry we're a bit late with this podcast. Since we last spoke, just before the new year, I think, we've been on an extreme schedule to get our new production, Romantics Anonymous, out of the rehearsal room and onto the stage. The show opened last week in Bristol, and I genuinely couldn't be happier with it. Perfect. Or should I say perfect? You see, these chocolates are just a little bit magic. In fact, chocolate is in general a little bit magic, and now we can all understand each other just fine. Let's get back to Angelique and our story. Just a humble bean Its beauty lies untapped, unseen All the flavours locked inside It's hiding down below Safely out of sight Crack the shells like so Stir the beans and gently blow Watch the husks take flight Chocolate brings the beautiful to light When it's just right This is Angelique Delange She believes in love at first sight, crop circles and above all the magical power of chocolate Next you slowly grind Till the cocoa's been refined Sure it takes forever But with chocolate Haste makes waste So you're up all night Sneak a little taste And the world is soon erased Lost in sheer delight Chocolate makes the darkness It was an insanely speedy process for us, with only three weeks rehearsal and a week of technical rehearsals. Not much at all for a musical, but the Romantics gang have pulled together brilliantly. The cast, creative and technical teams have been working flat out, and what with Christmas and New Year falling smack bang in the middle of it all, I'm not ashamed to say that the whole process has been a bit of a blur. A glorious blur, but a blur nonetheless. You will have heard many of the people working on the creative team and backstage teams on previous podcasts, and many of the cast are returning regulars also. Mark Antolin, Carly Borden and Gareth Snook were all in the original Globe production. You will also have seen Gareth as Dora Chance in Wise Children, Mark in my knee-high production of The Flying Lovers of Vitebsk, and Carly as White Hands in Nehi's Tristan and Isolt, and Jean Vievre in The Umbrellas of Cherbourg. And both Mark and Carly were in my Globe production of Twelfth Night, playing Mariah and Sir Andrew Aguecheek. Working with a team of regulars is a delight. It feels less like work and more like hanging out with mates. But it's important not to get too comfortable. And for this reason, I also love bringing in new people to the team. They keep the work fresh. They bring new ideas, new skills, and a fresh chemistry, like a catalyst or a fizz of mercury on water. In Romantics, I have several cast members I've not worked with before, and it's been a joy getting to know them. 
Being a musical, Romantics has also brought new creative team members into the mix. So in true Wise Children Detention form, I felt I should introduce you to them and explain what it is they do. Forgive me if you know all this already, but I thought I'd explain a little about how a musical gets made. It's not a million miles away from making a play with music, what I usually do, but it is different and a little more complex. Here goes. A traditional musical would normally have a lyricist whose job it is to write the lyrics and a composer who writes the tunes of the songs, the music. The lyricist and composer is a common and vital partnership. George and Ira Gershwin, Rogers and Hart, Rogers and Hammerstein to name a few classic combos. Alongside that writing duo, you would then have the book writer, the book being the actual script, the words the actors say, not sing. In this instance, that's me. I adapted the script from the original screenplay. You did know it was originally a film called Les Emotifs Anonymes. So, the writing team is a triangle, and pulling all these elements together is the musical supervisor. As usual, when everyone else is racing around getting ready for a dress rehearsal, I'm at a loose end. So, with my fluffy mic in hand, I cornered the music department and made them explain themselves. Um, I'm here with the Romantics Anonymous team. Who are you? Chris Diamond, the lyricist. Who are you? I'm Nigel Lilly, and I'm the music supervisor. And you? I'm Michael Kuman, the composer. Excellent. So I've got my amazing um, team who've put this musical together. So, you start, Chris. How did this journey start? For Michael and, and I, this journey started when uh, the American producers on the project reached out to us and told us that they were working on adapting a French film called Les Emotifs Anonymes uh, to a musical with Emma Rice, who Michael and I were both huge fans of, having seen Brief Encounter in New York. And so you guys asked us to, to submit a couple of demo songs for what we thought the show might sound like, which we did, and when we were fortunate enough to, to get the job and we've been working on it ever since. But the truth is nobody else was even in the running at that point because I'd listened to your music and I thought these are the right guys. And also what's really funny is the, the producers had said to me, do, you know, make sure you can work with them, do give them notes and see how they responded. And I'm just like, well, this is brilliant. Why would I? <laughs> Nigel's laughing because I never have notes. No, you're, you're, and I remember you, when we were doing Umbrellas all those years ago, I think you were involved then. Or well, certainly I remember getting some demos for this years ago and loving what I heard. So and then it came full circle. I mean, it took its time to come to fruition, but it was worth it. Yeah, it did. When was it, Michael? Do you remember? When we first auditioned met. for it. We first, oh, auditioned, I hate yeah, that. We, we there did. was no, it was some uh, sort well, of... Well, we, we called it an audition. Yeah. Um, it was at least five years ago, yeah. I would say. Um, I don't remember what year it was, but I was actually talking to Jason like yesterday, and and all four of the songs we wrote for that audition made its way into the show. Actually, well, they were great. They, they were just fantastic, and I think there was a, immediately a, a a complicity with the piece that just has or just grown and grown. There was never a problem, was there? There was never a moment when we didn't. But talk us through a little bit the process of writing a musical, because this is all new to me. So talk to me about the nuts and bolts of putting together a musical. 
Uh, well, you know, the way we typically approach it is, is to start with story first and foremost. Um, and, and that's kind of how we, the three of us approach this by, by sitting down in a room together and talking about the film and what was there about the film that we all loved and, and we would hate to lose. Um, but what we could take from the film and adapt in order to, to make the piece work on stage. Um, and, and so we started with that story and, and found the structure, structure, the through line for it. And from there, you know, once you've got that in place, it's a matter of figuring out which portions of that story best suit translation into song. What, what were the high points of emotion or, or action that, that are best conveyed through music that words alone will not suffice for? And I think that's been my biggest learning curve because whilst my work's always been musical, I often think that I have a chorus singing to the protagonists or supporting the protagonists, whereas in musical theatre, the protagonists actually give voice to their feelings, which is the thing that everybody always says they don't like, isn't it? Go on, you talk about that. Uh, well, I'd, I'd say the main, one of the main differences, I think, maybe from the way of working, is that, um, which you might have done most of, with most of your work, is that it, a lot of it is done before you, you get in the room with the actors, which is quite rare for you, I think, isn't it? In oh, you mean when making musicals? Yeah. yeah. So I would normally, so when I usually work with music, you work on themes and you've yeah. got you've got a palette, but you then the yeah, once you're in the room, you're you're putting it, you're layering it in. Whereas this is absolutely has been crafted yeah, and grown one of rehearsal with a full script and a full score and sort of knowing what it is to an extent it is really different yeah. but there's no way you could put on a show like this without putting in that amount of work but talk more about i want to talk more about the thing that's different between um theater with that has music in it and musical theater which i think is what you were talking about which is when um I feel like I'm quoting other people, but when something's too important yeah. to speak and that you sing, and when it doesn't work, it's dreadful, isn't it? But yeah. when it does work, yeah. it feels like all the arts come together and all the senses come together and you get to a, a sort of ascendant moment, which I don't think you I see often in, in theatre. Because the two protagonists really struggle to, to express themselves. So then when you do get to the end of the show and they actually can reveal their emotions, it's even more heightened in, in this play, I think. There's a, you know, there's great joy when they sing Dancing on Air because these are two characters that have been buttoned up throughout the show. Although I do think, I always have loads of bad ideas, but didn't I, in the early days, wonder whether they couldn't, they didn't sing? I couldn't get my head around the fact that two nervous people could sing and I thought, I know that it will be amazing at the end, but what if they don't sing from the beginning? And I think you two <laughs> nodded and smiled <laughs> and then wrote a musical. It's it, it, Interestingly enough, when we were going back and revisiting it for this production, um, we, I, I, I kind of remember us talking about that and the, the two characters don't sing like traditional musical theatre protagonists for quite a while in the show because... Um, there's a lot of heavy lifting that we have storytellers in this show and the storytellers and sort of the main secondary characters do a lot of the heavy lifting because when we first meet our two main characters they really can't come out and sing like a traditional musical theater character they have large social anxieties and can't really express themselves the the two first songs that each one sings one is by themselves making chocolate and the other one is singing to his dead father so they, those are the only times that they feel appropriate to sing until later in the first act when they're sort of finding their own voice. And that's kind of one thing that makes this, I feel, slightly different than a traditional musical because it's really about these characters figuring out how to express themselves 
to the world around them. Um, and so we had to sort of ease our way into that when, when, when writing it. And I didn't even like remember that until we sort of dug back into this and, and, and tried to rewrite one or two of the numbers from last time. One of the things I love about the music that you've written and the, the words is the sparseness of it. That's the other thing that doesn't feel super musical theatre to me. It's very restrained. There's only four people in the band. Yeah. Amazing, delicate arrangement. And these really quiet songs that are so beguiling and intoxicating. And I think that really captures the... Um, the, the emotif nature of it. And I, I remember I've fallen in love with all of you many, many times in our relationship, but you talked about Sati very early on yes, yeah, and yeah, French yeah. music mm -hmm. and Debussy. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, he's be still my beating heart. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, the cool thing is, is like playing with this French palette, which is so beautiful and actually quite diverse. Um, but also finding where those places sort of overlap with the kind of music that I'm interested in writing, but also, you know, the kind of music that's going to work on stage for this show. So I think we had a large palette to work from, and especially with these characters who are so delicate and, and really fragile, I think Satie was such a great uh, sort of like starting point because that his music, his, uh, what are those, what are those? Yeah, however you say that, I can't actually say that. Say it again. He's lovely, I love him. He's, he's a great guy, always been nice to me. Um, he basically, uh, that was sort of the inspiration for Jean René's main song. Um, and, and just sort of it, that feel is sort of right for where our characters start because they're so delicate and fragile that it was really important that we sort of underdid the music and let space for the actors and the orchestrations to fill in the rest. And I think there's a, I mean, I call it fizziness. I often talk about characters fizzy, but there's such a fizziness about this project because there's you talking about the romanticism and restraint of your um, French references. And then there is a kind of, um, almost a Hollywood blockbuster um, shape to it, which is where I think the sort of Broadway element comes in. And Chris is brilliant at that, talking through the, the how, to, how to build the shape of a story. And then there's the British quirky humour, which we laugh about. Um, it, there's got a Victoria Wood nature about this, who's a very beloved quirky British comedian. And there's a real fizziness between American, British and French sensibilities. It's going to be fascinating to see uh, Americans, you know, we're so used to the British reaction to the show, which is glorious. So it's going to be fascinating to see how Americans react to that humour as well. I can't and wait what do to you, see it in LA. What do you think, Chris? What's your guess? I, I'm incredibly curious. I'm not, I'm not sure I have a handle on what it'll be, but I think I think people everywhere will, will respond to this show. I think I think they will respond to exactly what you're talking about, is sort of the, the tension and the interaction of all those different elements that somehow... Uh, find a, a beautiful marriage um, in, in the tone of this piece. And I think at its heart, this is a, a universal story that everyone can relate to. Um, everyone finds themselves in these characters and is able to, to laugh at themselves and, and fall in love with, with Angelique and Jean-René as they go on their journey. So I, I'm, I'm certainly optimistic that I, I think the response wherever we go will, will be enthusiastic. Talk about the band a little bit, and uh, Michael and Nigel in particular, about why you made the decisions. Um, we've only got a band of four, and I'm sure in an ideal world you might have had a bigger band, but we're not at that stage yet. But tell me about the that. the same reason, though. I think really having a sense of, of not wanting to overpower the piece. You know, these the songs are delicate, and I think if you started to augment the band size too much, then you'd start to work against that. 
Um, and within the band, we have, they're very versatile. So Soph plays lots of just plays recorders and bass clarinet. Um, Mike has got a huge percussion rig. So we've got the opportunity for lots of textures. Um, but we, and it's not a big acting company, so you, you want it to be in proportion to how many actors are on stage. And Simon Hale's arrangements are miraculous, as they always are. Uh, Michael, Simon Hale has done incredible work on this show. Simon Hale, uh, you probably know him from Spring Awakenings orchestrations. I girl think from he North Country. Girl from North Country. He's brilliant. I mean, honestly, like I've worked with a couple orchestrators, and an orchestrator can totally ruin a song. It's kind of insane how much they can get wrong. Um, but Simon Hale has definitely made these songs better than they actually are. And I don't. I, I will defend you that I think the songs are great, and his work's. Great. But he's he's a genius. He's a genius, yeah. and part of that was me discovering him uh, throughout the process, discovering how much of a genius he was the first time around, um, and being amazed by it. But yeah, I mean, it, you know, he's cap he's created this sound for the show that is so interesting and unique, and he understands the moments that need to be delicate, and how a huge percussion rig can also work as this delicate little fragile I've also um, learned percussion instruments I didn't know existed yeah. which we now have on this show yes. but there also isn't a kit there isn't no. a bass no. there's none of the sounds that you just almost expect to hear there isn't that jazz sound or the rock sound mm -hmm. that is in almost everything we listen to mm -hmm. and I find that amazing the more I listen to the mm -hmm. musical landscape yeah, of it different solutions to those grooves yeah. it's quite amazing and he actually gets musical laughs. Yes. yes. I mean, some of the... I like the cars the car, driving oh, past. Yeah. I mean, it's car. amazing, there's isn't a, it? There's a car chase, and there's a moment where you hear, like, a car... What sounds like a car horn. He called it the Doppler effect, yeah, which I like didn't a, even know. Yeah, like a car going past, and then, like, you know, ooh, like the car horn. And, man, is it funny. Like, it's... I, it and, makes me laugh every time. Yeah. And, yeah. like, he just put that in there. Like, we didn't even talk about it. He just put it in there. It's brilliant. I have never tasted chocolate quite like yours. Such a rare complexity that every flavor explores. I can see your talents. You've been truly graced. It would be a sin to let that special gift go to waste. Calm your trembling hands, dear. Someone understands, dear. And I got a scheme that I think we should try. People have a craving. We could have them raving. Let me give you wings, and I'm sure that you'll fly. And that's how Angelique met Monsieur Mercier, who owned the beautiful chocolate shop called Mercier. I've been on the hunt for something quite unique. Signature new line to redefine my chocolate boutique. No need to be frightened, you will be alright. You can work from home completely tucked away out of sight. I, I can't. I understand what you are saying, what you are singing, but truly I can't. My heart is racing, my throat is tight, I'm so tired, I, I can't. You can. Think what this could mean, dear. You'll remain unseen, dear. Frightened little bird, there's no need to be shy. No one to observe you, nothing to unnerve you. Let me give you wings and I'm sure that you'll fly. Hey, 
a sneaky clip from the show lifted straight from the sound desk on press night, featuring Gareth Snook as Mercier and Carly Borden as Angelique. In the conversation with Michael, Chris and Nigel, they talk about the orchestrator, Simon Hale. I caught up with Simon at something called the Zitz Probe. No laughing. It's all very serious, even if it does include the word probe. So I'm joining Chris and Simon on a very exciting part of the process, which is called the Sitz Probe. Did I pronounce it correctly? You did. And what is a Sitz Probe, Simon? It's actually, well, I didn't discover until I started working in theatre. It, it means seated rehearsal. It's a German operatic term. So when in an opera, all the company would be rehearsing the songs with a piano in a rehearsal situation, then suddenly they'd come in front of the orchestra and they'd hear the orchestrations of the opera, the way that they'd been singing in front of them. So that's, this is what we're having tonight, although we don't have quite as many musicians as in an opera pit. The same process is that the company are going to come in with us in less than 20 minutes, very exciting, and hear the orchestrations that they will be performing to on stage every night. And they've not heard those before. Actually, some of them, when we did the show at the, um, at the Globe, obviously remember them from then, but for some of them it's new. So for quite a few of them, actually, it'll be a new process. So it's a very exciting thing for us. We've been doing band calls for the last couple of days. The band are playing brilliantly. And we put everyone together. So that's Sitz Probe. Is, it's technically a seated rehearsal, is what it means. Simon Hale explaining what a Sitz Probe is. But what is an orchestrator? Now, it's the orchestrator's, or arranger's, job to work out who plays what in the band. They take the original idea from the composer and then expand those ideas and develop the themes so that they can be played by the full orchestra. The orchestrator adds a new voice to the production by working out which instrument should do what and figuring out how the instruments played by the band will sit with the voices and the lyrics. It might be easier for me to play some clips to explain better. Here's a short clip of Chris and Michael's early demo of If She Loved Me, just on the piano. And it's Michael singing. But if there's one thing that I'm sure about, it's that we could make chocolate forever. Now here's the full section again, played by the band. Now let's have a deeper listen to just the individual instruments to hear what they are doing. First the cello part. Now the woodwind. The piano part. The percussion. 
and all together. isn't it? And it's this magic that the orchestrator brings to the piece, working out who plays what, when and how, surprising us with sounds that we hadn't imagined, colouring in the music like a painter would a canvas. Extraordinary. And Simon Hale is truly one of the best. I'm somewhat reserved. I can't tell you why. You say emotif. Well, I'm shy, I'm not good with words, I'm just not equipped, perhaps I'm afraid, and so I stay tight-lipped, but I could be something to see if she loved me in matters of love. I'm sure you all know Well, I'm burning up I can't let it show This woman I found So gifted and smart And I want to try To open up my heart Oh, what a romantic I'd be If she loved me I'm not a man who women feel secure about I'm not intuitive or clever but if there's one thing that I'm sure about it's that we could make chocolate forever Angelique, if I may reveal for you, I will try to face these things I feel. Yes, what a romantic I'll be if you love. Thanks to Mark Antolin and our band, Tom, Sophie, Mike and Sarah. By the time this podcast is released, Romantics Anonymous will be packed into two containers and floating over the Atlantic to begin its North American tour. Its first step is LA, so I'll be sure to report back from Muscle Beach. Or, more likely, the back of the auditorium. But it's not all glamour. It's very busy here at Wise Children HQ. We've Mallory Towers about to go back on tour and we're deep into planning for our new show at the National, Wuthering Heights. For all the up-to-date info, you can download our app or visit our website. You can also follow us on social media. And remember to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Till next time, here's another recording we lifted off the sound desk on press night. It's the final number as our lovers finally choose each other and fly. Bye for now. Thank <laughs> you.
always been so tightly wound Colourless and safe on the ground Yes, that's all I knew And yet when I'm with you I'm dancing on air It's a sensation beyond compare Dancing on air Just take my hand and there's nothing that I wouldn't dare Dancing on air, dancing on air All these years I've been weighed down Terrified that I'd slowly drown 